This is the Wellsprings Word. Amen. So we're going to be in Revelations chapter 6. Um, I'm going to share this with you in a way that, first of all, in... in uh, so I've been a student now. I was sitting down doing the math on this. I've been a student of the Word for about 35 years now, but I've been a studying end-time things and asking hard questions of people that I was making angry for about 31 years. And um, so I'm not a rookie. Like, I keep things casual because, you know, but don't think I'm just wandering around aimlessly, you know, through the week and making stuff up. What I share with you is a product of study. But I can honestly say that the Holy Spirit led me this week to present this piece of this the same truth, but in a style and with a, a manner that he had never put in my heart before. And uh, so it's interesting to me. Um, I trust him. He's good at what he does. And so we're just going to follow along and, and let the Lord speak to us about some of these events and see where we'll take us and how many people I can make mad online today. Amen. Revelations chapter 6 and verse 1. As I watched, the lamb broke the first of the seven seals on the scroll. And I heard one of the four living beings say with a voice like thunder, Come. And I looked up and I saw a white horse standing there. Its rider carried a bow and a crown was placed on his head and he rode out to win many battles and gain the victory. When the lamb broke the second seal, I heard the second living being say, Come. And then another horse appeared, a red one, and its rider was given a mighty sword and the authority to take peace from the earth. And there was war and slaughter everywhere. When the lamb broke the third seal, I heard the living, third living being say, Come. And I looked up and saw a black horse, and its rider was holding a pair of scales in his hand. And I heard a voice from among the four living beings say, A loaf of wheat bread or three loaves of barley will cost a day's pay, and don't waste the olive oil and the wine. When the lamb broke the fourth seal, I heard the fourth living being say, Come, and I looked up, and I saw a horse whose color was pale green. Its rider was named Death, and his companion was the grave. And these two were given authority over one-fourth of the earth to kill with the sword and famine and disease and wild animals. And when the lamb broke the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of all who had been martyred for the word of God and for being faithful in their testimony. And they shouted to the Lord, and they said, O sovereign Lord, holy and true, how long before you judge the people who belong to this world and avenge our blood for what they've done to us? Then a white robe was given to each of them, and they were told to rest a little longer until the number of their brothers and sisters, their fellow servants of Jesus, who were to be martyred, had joined them. I watched as the Lamb broke the sixth seal, and there was a great earthquake, and the sun became as dark as black cloth, and the moon became as red as blood. And the stars of the sky fell to the earth like green figs falling from a tree shaken by a strong wind. And the sky was rolled up like a scroll, and all of the mountains and the islands were moved from their places. Amen. My God did that. Your God did that. Jesus, you know the guy we were just singing to? He's the one doing that. That's fantastic. So, Father, open your word to us. Give us hearts to receive truth. We ask you, Lord, to teach us. We ask you to help as your people, I believe, Lord. We should walk in charity when there's a question, in absolute certainty on issues where there is no question. 
And so we ask you, Lord, to just lead us. Make us stronger as a body and make us stronger as individual followers of yours as we study these things. In Jesus' name, everyone said, amen. So <clears throat> there's movies made about this, you know. Hollywood's renditions of everything in the Bible are always fascinating to me because the emphasis always just the apocalypse. There's people that don't know anything about anything that can tell you about the four horsemen of the apocalypse. I knew a Navy SEAL in 1994 on deployment. He had a tattoo on his chest of the four horsemen of the apocalypse. He was a scary guy. And I, and I asked him one day, I, well, names protected, you know, blot that out, whatever. I asked him, I said, hey, man, tell me about your tattoo. And he took the time to get a tattoo of the four horsemen of the apocalypse. And he goes, I don't know. It's just cool. And I said, so you got a tattoo about something you don't know anything about. And now Navy SEALs, right? Kind of spooky. He goes, I just know one of them is death. And that's me. And I was like. Okay, then. Cool. I was going to go change my shorts. Um, they're, they're, they're an interesting bunch. Love them. Man, some of the cream of the crop, those guys. But there's, so there's, in our culture, there's talk of these things. And then a lot of times as believers, um, our study of them is either limited or we don't actually study for ourselves. We just read a book by somebody who says they studied. And we go like, oh, yeah, okay, cool, whoo. And we arrive at our theories. And I want to say from the beginning, I'm going to teach things over the next few weeks that, that will disagree with some of your preconceived ideas. And I'm not fighting with anybody. You believe whatever you want. There are some hardcore pre-trib people in the world. I was laughing this last week because last week I taught you stuff about the Antichrist coming and I saw a video posted online by a friend and Pastor Jack Hibbs over in Washington, D.C. He's kind of a big deal, has a big church and he was teaching on the Antichrist too and he taught it totally different than me. So then what are you supposed to do? Well, you're supposed to read your Bible for yourself. Read your Bible for yourself. What do we do with that stuff, Walt? Read the Bible for yourself. Read the Bible for yourself. Read the Bible for yourself. And then you know he's wrong and I'm right. No, I'm not. Again, we can all get along. Jack Hibbs is so pre-trib, he won't own post-toasties, man. And he, he looked in the camera, he said, I don't teach on Antichrist because we'll never see him. And I thought, well, that's bold, bro. I could send you an email with some stuff for you to scratch your head and ponder on, but it's not necessary. Here's the deal about the rapture of the church. Everybody say rapture. This is what everybody's worried about, and we don't need to be. Rapture's based in identity, not in doctrinal persuasion. Jesus comes back for everyone who's his. Oh, come on. He comes back for who's his. Are you his? Then when the trumpet sounds, whether that's tomorrow or in nine years, if you are walking in faith in Jesus Christ, you're good. Rapture is identity. Everybody say identity, not doctrinal persuasion. The day the trumpet sounds, some of us will go, wow, I was wrong. And we'll arrive in heaven by the grace of God and go, whew, okay, we, we got that backwards. I'm sure glad you came because of 
who I belong to and not whether I was King James only. Come on. Like some, and I got to say this because through the history primarily of the Pentecostal church, we used this partial rapture thing to try to scare everybody. You know, like if you were holy, you're going. But if you watch movies, left behind. You know, no card games in your house, going. Deck of cards in your junk drawer, left behind. And we could just pick whatever topic we liked, man. I sat in a great service one time. No lie. Tithers, going. Non-tithers, left behind. Not even kidding. As if you're buying a ticket on a train and the trumpet sounds and God goes, no, pal, this ticket cost this much. No. That's all stupid. Well, pastor, you said you were going to get along with everybody. I am, but some stuff's just stupid. If you read the Bible for yourself, you find out that Jesus said, I'm coming back for everybody who's mine. Is that you? Then it doesn't matter. How many of you follow that? It just doesn't matter. If Jack Hibbs was here right now, I would not fight with him. Fine, brother, believe it however you want. Only Jesus holds that in his hands. Only the Father knows the day and the hour. And when the trumpet sounds, I'm okay to be wrong. I really am. If the rapture interrupts us tomorrow and Jack Hibbs and I are flying to heaven next to each other and he goes, what do you think about it now? I'm going to go, bro, we're in. I don't care. I was wrong. You were right. It takes humility to even get in here. So I'm fine. Here's the thing, though, that I want to say as we go forward. If you are convinced that you're escaping and you build your walk with God that you're escaping and your hold on the world is so loose because you're escaping and you have no plan to be active about anything except leaving and you are wrong, you will struggle a lot when things start happening. So I would rather prepare to go all the way through and get interrupted and go, oh, wow, <laughs> between the second and third seal instead of between the sixth, up. okay, I'm good. Like, it's fine. I'm not going to get to heaven and refuse entry because of my doctrine. Oh, no, I'm not coming in there. No, no, no. So what I'm saying is, I believe as your pastor, I'm trying to teach you to have a walk with God that would take you all the way through. Rather than being afraid of what people told you might happen and out of that fear going, no, 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 Jesus is coming today. I know he just has to be. Why? Because I'm scared. That's not a good enough reason to hold to a doctrine, right? So we want to be prepared. And if I'm wrong, you won't have any problem with me. God's going to give me my little tiny spot by some river in heaven with a little tiny cabin where all I do is fish. And Mike, I bet there I can cast right. And when you come wandering up to me and you go, see, Walt, you were wrong. It was pre-trib. You're not going to bother me at all. I'll be like, okay, cool. 
But I'm telling you from 30 years of study, there are some serious problems biblically with pre-trib rapture. If you read the Bible for yourself. Now, I know all of the arguments. Nobody needs to educate me, man. I've been going down this road over and over and over. I know the arguments. I've looked at them. Maybe, maybe not. But I want to stand in what the Scripture plainly says rather than somebody's theory about what they think it says. And so that's kind of our way going forward. So I am confident that for some serious pre-trib people, I start reading about the breaking of the seals, and in their minds they just go like, well, I don't care, I won't be here. Or maybe you should pay attention to the fact that if the whole church wasn't going to be here, would Jesus have bothered to say something? If you want to know where a problem for pre-trib rapture lands, the entire book of Revelation is a, is a speed bump. Because if the whole church is leaving, who is this for? That's not really logical. But assuming he just wanted to give us some information. Okay, cool. Let's run through this quick. The first seal was broken, the rider on the white horse. We talked about him last week. Almost all scholars agree, Antichrist. That's why he's on a white horse. And at the end, Jesus is on a white horse. And we talked about some of these things last week. Second horse rides out on the second seal is a red horse. And, the, and the, what was given to John was that this is, the, this is the horse of war. Takes peace from the earth. That's relevant if you're paying attention. Because it means that when the Antichrist first shows up, it's not war. When he first shows up, it looks peaceful. Looks good. Then war breaks out. Third seal, the black horse, famine and poverty, which is what it's talking about when it says that he had a scale in his hand and one little loaf of bread is a whole day's wages, right? So we're speaking to the idea of beginning to be shortages, beginning to be outrageous prices for things, and there being famine around the world. They break the fourth seal, and it's the seal that's death. It says that I looked up, saw the pale green horse, his name was death, his companion was the grave, and these were given authority over one-fourth of the earth to kill with the sword and famine and disease and wild animals. These were given authority over one-fourth of the earth. These were given authority over one-fourth of the earth. These were given authority. So who's in charge? My God and your God. And this is the thing about end-time teaching with people that escapes me sometimes is why we're trying to figure out how to make the church fearful of something that God is in control of. And I said this last week, and I'm going to keep saying it. Have whatever crusade you want about whatever political thing you want to in America, nothing you vote on is going to stop God from doing what he says he's going to do. Now, I'm all about it. I hope that when these things break out, I would love to see a turn toward righteousness in America, and I would love to see revival from coast to coast. But God is going to do what God is going to do no matter what we are doing in our 50 states. We are not the center of his universe. Okay? So it says that they are given authority to take. Now, when you get to the fifth seal, all of a sudden there's no horses. Four horsemen of the apocalypse. You break the, four, the fifth seal, and the scene changes to heaven, and the martyrs standing underneath the altar, right? So there's a couple of things with that. Now, apocalyptic literature, 
This is the reason why the church can draw back in, in tribes and argue is that apocalyptic literature is visions that have meaning. So that when people want to argue about visions, well, what are you going to do with that, right? I especially like the ones that go, I prayed about it and God told me. Just so you know, my charismatic friends, God told me is almost usually a cop-out. You can't argue with me if I say God told me. Because what are you going to do with that? Well, I'm smarter than God, and I think it means, well, nobody's going to say that, right? So you can stop any conversation with God told me. I want to encourage you in the Gospels, Jesus said, we're going to give an answer for every idle word. And what he was talking about was not telling a joke at the water cooler about Democrats. He was talking about every time we declared God said, and he didn't. God does not take it lightly when people use his name. Christians would do better to be honest and say, if you don't know for sure it's God, then say something honest. I feel in my heart like this might be what God is saying. Great. As I pray about it, this is what I think the Lord's leading me to do. Great, own it. This is me. This is what I think God. But if you're going to stand up, God said. There's this weird test in the Bible. You have to be right or we get to kill you. Oh, wait, that was Old Testament. Sorry. Got my testaments all wrong. Have you ever noticed how people want to live in the Old Testament tell stuff like that? One of the things that always intrigued me through the 2000s with the prophet, uh, the prophetic <laughs> movement that was moving through the Pentecostal churches was all the prophecies were based in the Old Testament. And everybody was living in the wrong testament. And everything they were hollering about was before the cross. And so then me being me, Three or four false prophecies later, I would walk up to somebody and go like, okay, if you want to do Old Testament, that's fine. But that means if you're wrong one more time, we get to kill you. And they'd go, we're under, the, we're under grace, not the law. Well, then how come you don't remember that when you're running around beating up sheep? Like, know where you live. <laughs> Are you doing good this morning? I feel like the Holy Spirit's doing something right now. This is all right. So here's the deal. There's four horsemen, and then by the fifth seal, there's no horsemen. So in apocalyptic literature, again, it's visions with meanings. A lot of people believe, and I am one of them, that horsemen is speaking to leadership. If you looked at an, at an ancient army, the guys on the horses are in charge, right? You got all the footmen, you got all the little spear chuckers and all that stuff, little bow and arrow guys and sword guys, and then where's the king guy, right? He's always up on his horse with his flag. So what does that possibly speak to? That all the events of the four seals that are broken are caused by leaders in the world making decisions that bring these things about. So I want you to just ponder that for a minute because the first seal breaking is a leader coming, Antichrist. Scripture talks about him. The idea being that when the second seal is broken and war breaks out, that the, the reason there's a horse could be speaking to, and again, could be, the idea that we are watching as people who aren't the president of any nation. Is anybody secretly in charge of a country and you didn't tell us? Okay, cool. 
that we are watching these things as people who aren't given that kind of authority and we're watching news reports that say the president of this nation has decided to go to war with this nation. The presidents of this group have decided to cut off the supplies and cause famine. The, the, the leaders of this country have decided that there's no more medicine shipping out so that there's diseases that are running rampant. Is anybody picking up on the fact that if you preached that 50 years ago, everybody thought you were crazy, and now we watch this stuff happen in front of us? Now, if you disagree, if in your mind the four horsemen of the apocalypse have to be big, scary-looking, demonic dudes that look like WWE wrestlers that physically ride across the earth on big horses... I'm not arguing with that, but I'm saying apocalyptic literature is that. It's visions with meanings. And I believe, my opinion, the fact that there's horses on the first four seals is because it's pointing to all of us little people watching world leaders make decisions under the influence of demonic spirits that cause this garbage on our planet. And when we go like, well, I won't be here. The rapture's going to happen. Okay, but just in case, let's keep talking about it. Fifth seal, martyrdom. It says that he saw all of a sudden all of the martyrs underneath the altar, and they shouted to the Lord, Sovereign Lord, holy and true, how long before you judge the people who belong to this world and avenge our blood for what they've done to us? And a white robe was given to each of them, and they were told to rest a little longer until the full number of their brothers and sisters, their fellow servants of Jesus who are to be martyred, have joined them. Okay, read the Bible for yourself. Pre-tribulational roadblock alert. If the church is gone, who are all these martyrs? Just something to think about. Now, in a minute, I'm going to tell you, because this is a full-service ministry, I'm going to tell you how they answer it, but I'm saying just think for a second. If the church bailed out, well, then who are all these martyrs? And when he says, well, who are these people? Martyrs. For their faith in Jesus Christ. It is very specific doesn't use any of those terms that the, treat, the teachers try to pull out and make possibly be about Israel, you know, like the elect or whatever. It's very specific. You get to wait here and rest till the number of your brothers in Jesus Christ who are to be killed make their end and join you. Well, that's an odd thing if we're all gone. Now, full service ministry, let me tell you how the pre-tribbers lay that out that a whole bunch of people you've been preaching to haven't believed, right? How many know people? You've tried to tell them, and you've tried to preach to them, and some of us, like, have prodigal kids, right? Don't look at Stephen. It's not Stephen. Stephen's here. <laughs> Y'all are funny, man. Did you see that? They just glanced over there like, I'm not talking about Stephen. Stephen's here. My prodigal kid ain't here. Um, we like to, so, so the, the pre-trib argument is that we've told them, we've preached the gospel, we've planted the seed, we've told them about Jesus, and they don't have time for it, and they don't want to believe it, and then the trumpet sounds, and we all leave, 
and our clothes are laying there on the ground because we're in heaven naked, and then with glorified bodies, amen, and that this, all these, these piles of empty clothes cause all these people who put off serving Christ to believe that the gospel was true, and so they repent, and they start to follow Jesus. And if you read end-time literature and end-time books, they're usually referred to as tribulation saints. Everybody call, say that with me, tribulation saints. So the idea is the church is gone, but all these people that had heard the gospel see the reality of the rapture, and they go, Wow, that was true. And so then they start trying to follow Jesus with the church gone. Now, a parallel piece of the puzzle to the pre-trib crowd is that this is why when you get into the teachings of Jesus about the last days, he so emphasizes don't believe false prophets and don't believe false Christs when they come and don't listen to them and don't fall into all of that is because these, pre, these tribulation saints have no ministry. They have no discipleship. They're just in the world trying to figure this thing out. And because the church is gone, they have faith, but they don't really have other than to read their Bible and try to figure it out in a scary time. Okay? Now... That's the pre-trib argument to where these martyrs come from, right? Not even fine. I will point out, because it's just how I roll, none of that's in the Bible. Just going to throw that out there. There is no verse that says, following the rapture of the church, the prodigals will believe and come home. There's no verse in the Bible that says, all the seed you planted, well, after the church leaves, I will reap a great harvest of all those people who didn't believe while you were there. Like, there's no scripture that says that, okay? It's an extrapolation based in we need our theory to work, and our theory is that the church is gone, and these martyrs at the fifth seal are inconvenient. So where might they come from? And this is the thing I want to encourage you. This is why I'm telling you over and over, read your own Bible. Read it for yourself. God is good. He did not write it in code. He wrote it for you. Read it for yourself. So yes, I've got nine books on my bookshelf that declare what I just told you as an absolute fact. It's not an absolute fact. It's an opinion. It's an opinion based on trying to make a theory work. Roll with that if you want to, but at least know what it is, okay? Because when you read the Bible plainly, all the Bible says is that when the fifth seal is broken, martyrdom and persecution breaks out on the world, and saints are being killed for their faith in Jesus Christ. And if you read Matthew chapter 24, when the disciples ask Jesus, what does the end of the age look like? Jesus says, and they will kill you and persecute you and drag you into the street, and all men will hate you on account of my name. That seems a pretty interesting parallel piece of facts that are in the Bible Verses, theories that aren't in the Bible. How you doing? You learning anything? We doing okay? 
So by the time the sixth seal is broken, now we get to cosmic disturbances and stuff, right? Massive earthquakes, some sort of solar disruptions. He sees it as the sun going dark. Says there's planets falling, you know, like, okay, cut the guy some slack. Is he talking planets? Does Pluto crash into us? Or is he talking just asteroids and space junk and whatever? I don't know. Neither do you because he's describing what he saw. So this is what it looks like. Are these things isolated? Apparently not because if you, stra- if you shake a fig tree with a strong wind, when the figs are green, they all fall off. So when he used that example, like figs falling off of a tree, you know, apparently it's more than one. There's stuff happening at the breaking of the sixth seal. All this kind of cosmic stuff. And so when we look at these things, you go like, wow, this is intense. One of the primary pre-tribulational arguments about all of this is that we have a promise, and we're going to get to it in the weeks to come. Don't worry, I'm not going to leave anything out. There's a promise that we are not appointed to wrath. So the church can't be here because we're not appointed to wrath. I hate to point out this inconvenient fact. We haven't gotten to anything yet that is wrath. Everything that's happened up to this point is not God striking us. Everything that's happened up to this point is what we do to each other. And that's very inconvenient, but it's true. In a moment, there's going to be a scripture, we're going to look at it next week, where they actually announce in the scheme of things, following the sixth seal, behold, the day of his wrath has come. And it's after all of this. Why? Because we fight, it's what we do. We commit war on each other. We are the ones that figure out how to starve out people who don't agree with us. If you don't believe that, Black Hawk down, baby. I was in the Navy for that. That was my time of service. I don't agree with these people, so I'll starve them to death. That's things people do to each other. Okay? So when the, when the argument becomes, well, there's no possible way we could be here for all of that because, 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 because why? Because we're Western and we've mispreached the gospel for 80 years that God's whole plan is that you're blessed? Hey, everybody. One way you can help us out here on the Wellsprings Word is to subscribe. Um, subscription and numbers is a big way of how people find podcasts online. And since we had to transfer from one platform to another, we've got plenty of people listening, but our subscription number is down. So take a minute, if you can, and just subscribe. It helps us out. And uh, if you want to go the extra mile and help us, share the show around. If you've got friends or if you've got family that you think would benefit from just clear, concise, biblical teaching like this, um, just take the extra 20, 30 seconds and you know, put it in a text message and send it out or your social medias or whatever. Uh, It just really helps us out and we'd appreciate that so much. Thanks. Have a great day. Christian people have suffered this kind of stuff around the world since the day of Pentecost. Only in America did we create a gospel that says, no, 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 but we're so good that we shouldn't have to deal with that 
He's going to come and get us. Golden parachute, baby, we're out. And why exactly? Because we're from Indiana and California and Ohio and Maine? It doesn't even make sense. Pastor, we can't possibly be here for martyrdom. That's terrible. Why? Christians have been getting killed for their faith since Pentecost. That's not new. So, so we just have to have a, we'll call it a sober look. And just think about it for a minute. Now, I want to say this, and then I want to go into this weird part that the Lord gave me, and, and it, I think it's cool now that I look at it. But it's taking faith because it's outside my normal style, and so it's weird. But the Lord's good. I want to talk about this for a minute, and then we're going to do something a little unusual. But the main reason that a lot of pre-tribulational rapture teaching gained a lot of ground in the late 1800s and the early 1900s was because, not because of any great biblical revelation, but because they looked at their world and they could not perceive how any of that could be true, right? If, if you are living in 1875 and it takes you four days on horseback to get to the next town, then when a Bible prophecy appears to say somebody's in charge of the whole world, you go, how in the world could that be? And you immediately say, well, it must be way far away, and it would have to be purely supernatural. So, yeah, so I bet you the church leaves so that this demonic spirit can take over the globe. That makes sense. Because there's no other way, follow what I'm telling you, because there's no other way for these things to be true. So that must be what happens. But isn't it interesting what a little time does? Because standing here today in 2023, if you and I read a scripture about worldwide famines, it's not that hard to look and go, yeah. If you and I read a scripture now about war all over the world, see, in an 1867 church that just survived the Civil War, war is not all over the world. War is right here between West Virginia and Virginia. And it was me and my cousins against my uncle and them. Right? So if you read a scripture about war around the world, you're like, well, that's crazy. How could that be? It got a little more easy to understand in 1914. It was real easy to understand by 1942. And now today we look around and we go, yeah. Yeah, these things are not that unthinkable now. So I just want to encourage you that a lot of the fuel for some of these theories about the last days were not actually a Bible verse that said it as much as an incredible difficulty in trying to perceive it. And the persistence of that now is because as these things have been announced, then we go like this. And this is going to sound very familiar because this is American church right here in a nutshell. Well, there's already bad things happening. How many have noticed? So then we go... So then that must be really bad. 
Like, if it's in the Bible, like, there's already war. So then if there's a, a rider of an apocalyptic horse that looks like a WWE wrestler, and he rides making war, that'll be really bad. It'll have to be. Or, now I'm going to just spitball here for a second. Everything outlaid in those seals, you already see in seed form all around the world. And people for centuries have come up with crazy theories about the last days only because they didn't see any way that it could ever really happen. And some of the theories are bizarre. They really are. But they're anchored in, well, that's not possible. Well, these are the same guys that are sure there was no flood in Noah's day because they can't figure it out. There's no way fire fell on Sodom and Gomorrah because they can't figure it out. Because God apparently appeared to them in a dream and said, hey, I need your help explaining myself to the world or, no, or maybe men are just arrogant. And unbelief is easier when you justify it as arrogance and you say you're really smart and intellectual. But out of it all flows this idea that none of this could be. And I'm telling you that when we read this right now, when we read about a world leader having sway over the whole world, that made no sense to anybody in 1920. And I trust in 2023, we all realize how doable that is now. They call it the globalization of the world economy. What does it mean? It means that we're now getting so interconnected. Oh, come on. Are we doing all right? Can you guys, can, can we go into this water a little bit? Consider what happens in your day-to-day -day life. If you want to know if our world is completely confused and out to lunch... Both parties. We borrowed money from China yesterday to finance our efforts to be ready to fight China tomorrow. While their balloons float over our land and we point at them and they sell weapons. And these people that you send to Washington, this makes sense to them. This is why you need to hold on to Jesus. How many know what I'm saying? So this whole thing is interconnected now. So when we read a scripture about somebody having sway over the whole world, all of a sudden it doesn't seem so far away. And we go, possible. I can remember reading a book I had, a guy wrote it in the 70s, and it was about end time events. And that verse there would, talked about the breaking of the fourth seal and about there being famine and disease and all that stuff, and a classic intellectual argument. That no longer makes sense because we have, with our vaccination technology, eradicated all the diseases. So, based on that, this verse is spurious text and probably references something that happened in Daniel's day. 
And then we all watched the last few months when one diplomat can make a decision and all the medicine we need stops showing up. We all watched them roll out a vaccine, declare it was the end of the story, (laughs) and we're going to trust them. The intellectuals of the world, oh, God, I would be worried except for there's some really smart people. I'm trusting Jesus, friend. These people are crazy. This week, I was driving in my pickup truck. It was very appropriate, I thought. I'm in my pickup going to a funeral in Glendo, driving with my windows down, rednecking it, driving my pickup. In the little processional, we all have our little flashing lights on, and we're driving painfully slow from Douglas to Glendo, And I'm thinking about God and thinking about, and I was like, well, it's getting kind of quiet. So I hit my button on my radio and on cue, the most brilliant song ever written in the entire world was on my radio. God is great and beer is good and people are crazy. The entire wisdom of the ages is in that song right there. People are nuts. And so you got to cling to Jesus because all these theories come and go and come and go. So what the Lord gave me to do, and it only takes a few minutes because I timed it because I thought, Lord, this is weird. So if it's not going right, it needs to be short. We're going to do something totally different. 30 years of teaching on this, I've never done this. But I have to preface it before I do it. We're going to do a few minutes worth of fictional... Everybody say the word fictional. News reports. I'm going to read them to you. Why? Well, because the seals are going to be broken in heaven. We won't see that. What we all do is sit and watch the news. So what would these things look like? Now, if you're a hardcore pre-tribber, just bear with us, okay? I won't see any of this. I'm with Pastor Hibbs. Okay, fine. But you don't have anything better to do for the next five minutes, so just hang out for a second. What would all this look like if it started to happen and there you were watching the news? And the brilliant thing about this illustration, friend, is I don't even care which news you like. It's fine. If you are Newsmax all the way, God bless Tucker, or you're all the way over at MSNBC because you can't get far enough left for me. Whatever you like completely fine because as these things happen what we would just have is news reports that's how we would know now because of this modern weird age we live in and the power of the internet i have to say this plainly at the beginning i am not claiming anything prophetic about this i'm not saying god told me this is how it was going to happen I'm not saying the Lord showed me. I'm not saying any of that. I'm saying these are plausible news reports that would come out if we are here and the seals are breaking and we're living on this planet. Why would I do this? I believe the Lord has a cool intention in why we would look at this. And we'll get to the end and I'll tell you what it is. But I found a graphic 
Now, I got to tell you, I was really going to take this too far. In my mind, I thought of having a moment right now where a couple of the brothers take the pulpit and bring me the little table and a chair. And while they did it, I was going to put on a suit coat and a bow tie and then start. And then recent things have happened where I'm like, okay, bow ties are off limits. I got it. And so rather than going through all of that, and if you don't know what we're talking about, we're not telling you. And rather than going through all that, I was like, it'll be fine because this is already crazy enough. So these are just things that could happen. And for all of you that are like, we couldn't possibly ever be here for any of these seals to be broken, I think what you're going to hear as I share this with you is how absolutely conceivable all of these things are right now. If out of that you're a pre-tribber, then you need to be living real unattached to anything. Don't even wear a seatbelt in your car because only part of you got that and, and that just means I've talked too long already. But this is how simple some of this stuff could happen. Should I do like a news voice or should I just do my voice? Breaking news. Out of the Middle East tonight, moderate Muslim leader Muhammad Zalah has risen to power in Iran. A secular moderate, he is vowing to work for peace in the Middle East. Breaking news, forces loyal to Iranian leader Muhammad Zalah have successfully defeated the old military in Iran and secured his power. Meanwhile, Zalah is pledging to stop the flow of all funding to any terrorist groups to bring about peace in the region. World leaders are celebrating these developments. And President Biden called and congratulated him on his victory. Breaking news, speaking at the UN today, Iran's new leader, Mohammad Zalah, called on all Muslim nations to join him in working for peace and prosperity in the Middle East. He stunned the crowd by boldly announcing Israel's right to exist and pledged peace with the Jewish people. Breaking news, Mohammed Zalah signed an accord today with the leaders of Iraq, Egypt, and Saudi Arabia. Their new coalition for Middle East peace promises to finally stabilize that region. Then in heaven, the second seal gets broken. Breaking news, conflict has erupted in the Middle East this week as Islamists unwilling to recognize Israel have rebelled against the Iranian president and his coalition for peace. Battles are being waged in Pakistan, Libya, and Yemen. But the Arab nations of the coalition are working together to put down this uprising. Breaking news. A stunning development in Jerusalem today. With battles raging around the region, President Mohammed Zalah sat down today and signed a seven-year peace treaty with Israeli Prime Minister Netanyahu. And to the shock of the Muslim world, the terms included giving Israel full unrestricted access to the Temple Mount. This move has inflamed the hatred of radical Muslims around the world, but Zalah vowed to prevail and bring peace to the region. World leaders celebrated his courage. Time magazine declared him the person of the decade. 
Breaking news, war has returned to the Pacific Ocean for the naval forces of Russia and China in a sneak attack upon the United States Navy have struck them in multiple locations. Several ships are damaged and three have been lost, including the aircraft carrier Carl Vinson. The American response was swift and aggressive, bringing full-scale conflict to the entire Pacific region for the first time since the 1940s. Now, are you observing that all of this is so could be tomorrow? Nothing about this is hard, right? The third seal's broken in heaven, famine and poverty. Breaking news tonight. With war raging around the world, the supply chain is broken. Fighting in Egypt has destroyed the Suez Canal, causing massive shipping delays. The Pacific War between the U.S. and China has forced the redirection of shipping there as well. China and Russia have pledged food and oil to the Middle Eastern coalition led by Zalah if he will remain neutral. This has isolated the West and the bulk of Europe. Shortages of food and fuel have caused prices to skyrocket. Breaking news, American dependency on foreign imports is now the looming problem for the West. The expansion of the conflict in the Pacific has almost completely halted shipments from China and India. American industry is faltering, lacking parts and components. Massive shortages are being reported in nearly every sector. Factory workers are being laid off and hours being slashed everywhere else. With prices at all times highs, this is the last thing that American and Canadian families needed. Breaking news tonight, a Central American rebel group organized by cartels and former military leaders has seized control of the Panama Canal. This is devastating news to what remained of the Western economic system. The trickle of imports that were moving toward the Western ports in America is now cut off. And with the U.S. Navy engaged in battle with China all over the Pacific theater, it is unclear what America can do to counter this development in Panama. Reads like tomorrow's headlines. The fourth seal gets broken in heaven, which that was death in the grave, remember? Good evening. After 18 months of global conflict, the World Health Organization reported to the UN today the devastating results. Shortages of food and medicine have led to millions of deaths worldwide. Unable to properly treat casualties, nations globally are seeing unthinkable losses from simple infections and diseases that once were believed to be eradicated. Across Africa, famine is claiming entire cities with heartbreaking footage coming out showing wild animals walking the streets as humans are now the easiest prey to catch. The invasion of the United States by starving migrants from Mexico has pushed the American people to the breaking point. Open fighting is now occurring across the southern states of that nation and law enforcement is powerless to handle the scope of the problem. Breaking news, for the first time since 1945, nuclear weapons have been unleashed on the world's population. Sources report that militants in Pakistan successfully deployed a nuclear device in Mumbai, India today. Half the city has been laid waste with casualty estimates over one million. The detonation registered on instruments around the world. An emergency meeting of the UN was actually in progress when the explosion occurred. Overwhelmed world leaders sat in stunned silence. The first to speak was Middle Eastern coalition leader and Iranian president Mohammad Zalah. His unplanned remarks lasted almost one hour, and by the end, he received a standing ovation as world leaders pledged their support to his visions for peace. The fifth seal is broken in heaven, martyrdom. 
Good evening. As we come on the air tonight, we have sad news. As the Middle Eastern coalition makes advances and battlefields are growing silent around the world, the hatred of Christians and Jewish people is skyrocketing. In numerous American and European cities, churches and synagogues have been burned, with hundreds injured and many killed. Angry mobs have surrounded churches in the Western United States, and those choosing to attend are subject to violence and harassment. This activity has increased in recent weeks until today a Christian pastor was beaten to death on the street in Chicago, and the group responsible celebrated his death and would not allow first responders to render aid. National leaders are curiously silent on these developments. Breaking news around the world, even as military conflicts are quieting, hatred and violence are increasing exponentially. Religion is the common point of tension. Across Europe and the United States, as well as Africa and South America, Jews and Christians alike are becoming the targets of harassment and violence. Churches and synagogues are more commonly empty now as worshipers stay away to avoid the bloodshed. World leaders are apparently exhausted after three years of constant conflict around the globe and are taking no action to stop the bloodshed. The world has waited for leadership from Muslim coalition leader Mohammed Zalah. Today, he finally spoke out but stunned the global community. In a speech at the UN, Zala apologized to the world for, quote, being naive and believing world peace was possible given people's commitments to ancient religions that have always divided us, unquote. He went on to say that peace and stability are, quote, far more important than individual liberty and opinions about spiritual beliefs, unquote. In conclusion, he declared, quote, faith in our various gods has done nothing but divide us and cause devastation. It is time for us to move on and have faith in each other, for we no longer need to have gods, unquote. Believers of many faiths around the world were alarmed by his speech, fearing it fuels more hatred. Breaking news, stunning images from Jerusalem today. Three and a half years after signing a historic treaty there, Muslim coalition leader Muhammad Zalah ordered his peacekeeping forces into the city to clear out the temple and stop all worship there. Fighting erupted immediately, but the Jewish worshipers were quickly overpowered. Hundreds are dead in the streets and around the temple mountain. Israeli Prime Minister Netanyahu was taken into custody by the Muslim coalition. And by the end of the day, President Zala himself walked through the temple area, past the dead and dying, and stood in the center of the sanctuary and declared the days of mankind needing God was over. Sixth seal broken in heaven, global and cosmic upheavals. Breaking news, two earthquakes, the strongest ever recorded, have brought devastation and death to both the Pacific Rim and the Middle East. The first had its epicenter near Indonesia, it measured an unheard of 9.4 on the Richter scale. The majority of the cities in that nation are flattened with casualty estimates at over 500,000. Vietnam, Thailand, and Malaysia felt the effects even at that distance with buildings toppled and fires raging from gas leaks and electric grid damage. The northern half of Australia was also shaken and extensive damage there is reported. The resulting tsunami has devastated every coastal city and village in that entire region. Seven hours later, a quake of equal power occurred along fault lines in Turkey. The seismic shift extended south through Syria and Israel and on into the Red Sea. Nearly every building in cities like Damascus and Jerusalem is destroyed. Casualty counts are impossible to gather at this time. And in an unthinkable image, Cairo, Egypt was hit as well, and the ancient pyramids of Egypt have crumbled into the sand. 
Breaking news, NASA has issued a planet-wide alert. They report a massive solar flare building on the surface of the sun. They report that when it does erupt, it will send a destructive wave of radiation toward our planet that will disrupt satellites, communications, and most electrical power grids. Panic immediately spread in population centers around the world. And if all that was not enough, they also report the collision of two extremely large asteroids. If their projections are correct, massive pieces of space debris will begin making impact within the next seven days. They are telling people to prepare for no power or telephone service. The sun will be darkened for several days, and the asteroid impacts will create dust storms and atmospheric disruptions like we have never seen. And on a side note tonight, as we close the broadcast, two Jewish prophets who have refused to be silent the entire time stood atop the rubble on the Temple Mount and declared it all to be the judgment of God and were killed for it. Now, that is so today. Do you see, and I believe this is the primary point of the Lord in even doing something like this, do you see how it was all so unthinkable a hundred years ago and everything about it is completely obtainable right now? Every single one of those fictitious news reports that I just read to you are so doable right now. There's nothing left that the world is waiting on for any of these things to happen. And I believe the reason that the Lord had me do something like that was to bring home the point that where the breaking of the seals sounds so otherworldly, the way it would work out on our planet is so practical that it could be tomorrow. And nobody would be telling you that a seal was broken in heaven because that's not what would be on the news. What the news reports would be about would be the results of what was happening on the planet. Now, pastor, here's the big question then. Would God really leave the church here to go through all these hard things? Well, it depends on your vision of what God was doing with the church. If you have a self-centered vision of the gospel and you believe that God's only reason for saving you was to save you, well, then all of that thinking makes sense. God would come and rescue me. But if your understanding of the gospel is that God was saving you so you could save someone else, then you have to ask the question, where should the church be when trouble when trouble's raining down? Should the church safely be in heaven holding harps and singing songs? Or as the salt of the earth and the light of the world is the place we should be here, preaching the gospel, even if it got hard, even if they started to hate us, even if it started to be costly. Well, pastor, I don't like thinking about any of that, so I'm sticking pre-trib. Me and Jack Hibbs, baby. God's coming back. Maybe. But you do better to have something settled in your faith that would carry you through. In the coming weeks, we're going to look at other scriptures, but I want to encourage you on this. Most of you have been around church long enough to remember this. When Jesus talked about the last days, he said, as it was in the days of Noah... So it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. And people read that scripture and they look outside in the world and they go like, yep, there's sin everywhere. There's wickedness everywhere. You're right. Oh my gosh, man, days of Noah without turning around and looking and realizing that that means the righteous people 
There's only a few. And they're in their house because of what's going on in the world around. Do I know for sure that that's what Jesus meant? No, I'm not going to tell you that, but it's at least in the realm of possibility that that's what he meant. Noah and his family had to stand for righteousness alone and were mocked and hated and ridiculed for it. Jesus in Matthew 24 said, everyone's going to hate you because you're mine. I understand that we navigated through a period of blessing where pastors got the key to the city and pastors had Rolls Royces and pastors had Learjets and churches were going to change everything. But we never get past the fact that it's the guy we're following that said they're going to all hate you. And when we look at the world and we go, well, how could that be? We're so nice. We're so loving. How in the world could they hate us? It's not that far of a journey to figure out that if they're all wanting peace so badly, they'll follow anyone. And we're the only ones standing back going, no, no, no. We need to follow Jesus. I'm sorry, my friends, I'm not dipping into politics, but I just want to tell you the fact that we are living in a country that wrote the Patriot Act so that we could root out religious people we don't agree with on the off chance that they might be thinking about getting on a plane with a box cutter. The fact that a few years back, our Congress ratified that law so that our government can do literally anything they want to you and you have no recourse whatsoever if they become suspicious of what you believe. You want to talk about when the church should have been flipping out? We should have been flipping out about that. But we're so dumb that we were so mad at, at bin Laden, so caught up in the politics, we were like, yes, give them the power because it'll never come back on us. Except it will. All you Facebook warriors, man, you better make sure you do your taxes right. Telling you plain and don't apologize when I say it. All of you that love Facebook and you love raging on Facebook, you go ahead and do it. But you better hire a CPA to do your taxes. Because the IRS has been the enforcement arm of this government for decades. They figured it out when they used it to catch Capone. So if while you're raging, this is what we think and this is what we're going to do, as long as you got your taxes straight, you might be okay. Otherwise, I'll send you pound cake in jail. And you'll be there going, that was only four bucks. It'll be about what you believe. And what we believe is going to become increasingly inconvenient. Folks, I hate to tell you, it already is. All the, the precursors are there. The fact that you and I know God makes people man and woman is already so inconvenient. There's people absolutely hating us for it. So is it really that hard to make the jump to them being mad enough to hurt us? We have people going to work with guns and killing people because they didn't get the job. Fifty years ago, you went to school with a gun in the gun rack of your truck that you drove to school. And if you got in a knockdown drag out fight with nine members of the football team, nobody thought, I'm going to go get my gun. And where are we at now? 
Oh, my God, Pastor, are you no longer pro-Second Amendment? I have more guns on my person than I have fillings in my teeth. I'm pro-Second Amendment all day long, brothers and sisters, but I'm saying look around, pull your head out of the politics, and you realize that we are in a day and an hour where self-control is gone, the value of life is zero, and anybody angry about anything is willing to kill over it. So when we read the scriptures and we go, Christians will be martyred for their faith. I watched an old black and white footage of Oral Roberts preaching about that in the 1950s and admitting it didn't make any sense to him at all because America is a bastion of righteousness and here our faith is celebrated. So how could that be a thing? I'm not picking on Oral. That's how it was in 1952. But in 2023, it is not that hard to see that the devil has been more effective at moving our culture than the church has been. And if you don't realize that there could somebody, and when I say this, don't think I say this cavalier or with some kind of dumb John Wick idea about how gunfights work. We preach boldly here, and you guys sit and you say amen and you support And I am not ignorant of the fact that it is in the realm of possibility for a crazy person to watch something we preach here and get mad enough to come here to kill us. That was unheard of 25 years ago, and it is absolutely how the world is working now. And do you know that if it occurred, do we have a plan? Yes. If it occurred... The news would call any of us damaged the victims of a shooting. Heaven would call us martyrs for our faith. The fifth seal is not that hard to see. Already on the horizon. The thing I want to encourage you with in leaving is don't be afraid of this stuff. Because you're already in it and doing fine. Oh my gosh, pastor, what do you mean? The spirit of Antichrist is already moving and here you are. The spirit of death that will bring about that writer, he's already everywhere. We kill everything from our unborn all the way to, come on somebody, the the spirit of death is everywhere and yet here you are. Worshiping Jesus, there's already famine, there's already out-of-control stuff, there's already diseases coming back and new ones cropping up, and yet where are you? Here, worshiping Jesus. There's already trouble at every corner, and yet here you are, worshiping Jesus. There's already Christians being killed for their faith around the world, and now in our own country it has happened, and yet you didn't stay home, you didn't hide under your bed, you loaded your gun, you put it in your sock, and you came to church. Now part of that's because it's Wyoming. Stephen's buddy visited the other week and called Wyoming the last bastion of the Wild West. You bet, baby, and we're proud of it. But all the things that are in these seals are already working around you every day, and yet here you are. 
You may not always be smiling, but you're standing. You may not always be singing, but you're standing. You may not always understand it all, but your faith in Jesus Christ is intact. And that is why the church can go through, because it's already going through. And when they try to tell you on TV, we couldn't possibly, so God has to come and get us. Pray for them that their vision of Jesus is so small that the risen Lord of glory is intimidated by demonic stuff he releases. No, brothers and sisters. We belong... I didn't mean to yell that much. I'm sorry. Some of you have not done Southern Church ever, and so right now your ears are like on the side of your head. Be glad we weren't down south. We would have been that loud the whole time. But please grasp what I believe the Holy Spirit wants you to have is a faith that is bulletproof from fearing any of it. Greater is he that's in you than he that is in the world. You will be okay. You can pray for the pre-trib all you want, but you need not sweat it. Should the Lord leave the church on the earth, it's because he's completely capable to take care of his church on the earth while we preach the gospel. And when people are praying about revival, they may not realize it. They are praying about not rapturing Because the days of revival will be when all hell is breaking loose and you and I are standing strong and going, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And this is all coming down, baby, but you need him. Why would God snatch us out of the hour of our greatest effectiveness? We know that we preach to a world that's so arrogant they don't need anything. And when do they run to church? When stuff goes wrong and they run to church. So if God's trying to get them here and they won't listen when you invite them and they won't listen when I invite them, the Lord goes, fine, I will just let all hell break loose because then they somehow can find my house. And we don't need to worry about it. Nice to see you again. What, what drove you in here? Was it the angry mob downtown burning the cars? Or was it the fact that now you have time to serve God because you have no job? Either way, come on in. Church is at 1030. Tomato soup and sandwiches is at noon. And we're walking through together because Jesus is more than able to keep us. Isaiah 43, verse 1. But now thus says the Lord who created you, O Jacob, and he who formed you, O Israel. Fear not, for I have redeemed you, and I have called you by your name. You are mine. And when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers... They shall not overflow you. And when you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, nor shall the flame scorch you. God never told the people he redeemed they wouldn't have trouble. He said they would be bigger than their trouble. And if you have to flash forward to the New Testament, there's Jesus in this world 
you will have trouble. But take heart. I have overcome the world. Thanks again for stopping by. If you'd like any more info about us, feel free to swing by wellsprings.church. Have a blessed day.